it does look like it's two one to Bournemouth, doesn't it now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's like yonko has been sent off. It's oh, fucking hell! It's all <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is going on, Dion? What have you done? Well, you're, you're welcome. That's all I can say. You're welcome. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation's morale, bro. It's people's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take it as a yes, then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello comrades and you're very welcome to the Football Spin. It's Football Spin on a Sunday evening. Paddy McKenna, Dion Fanning and Nordine Chowdhury. We've had a feast of football today, a quadruple header. Um, the first in Sky Sports history they proudly boasted. And as we record here, it's like a marathon that we've we've decided to give up on mile 25, Dion. Because we are watching Leicester against Bournemouth, but there's still 30 minutes remaining. It does look like Leicester will beat Bournemouth 1-0. It looks pretty comfortable for them. But uh, should we not wait to the end of this um, final thrilling game of football that, that we've been watching? Never, ever ask me over to your house for dinner, Paddy. Never right. say, come over here, Dion. We've cooked up a feast. <laughs> because right. if this is what you consider a feast, if you consider Wolves, Everton, Villa, Palace, Spurs, Arsenal, and... The worst thing that has ever appeared on television, Bournemouth Leicester, as a feast. Then I don't want to. I don't. I don't want any part of it. Uh, you know, I'm not like you know. It's it's it's. Uh, this uh, this is um, Bournemouth might do something in this game. We we might still be recording uh, when they do, but it doesn't matter. They're going to get relegated. They're. Uh, such a terrible team and I think this this game like I feel sorry for people like between like pubs being open people drinking and people getting back to normal like there will be many people at home tonight on a Sunday night with hangovers uh, and they will be getting that terrible terrible fear the fear will be kind of growing on them and surrounding them and they'll be feeling jumpy and they'll be wondering what life is about and uh, like is you know like the whole the, you know the whole kit and caboodle like why do we why are we here what are we doing is it just you know what's the point of it all like why why how do we get up and face another day like how do we on a sunday night get up and face another day and then they'll turn on Bournemouth Leicester or they might have had it on in the background and they'll it will confirm everything they're feeling at this dark period. They will be looking at it going, there is no point to anything. Life is meaningless and it is worse than meaningless. It is crushingly boring. Um, this is bad. Like this is a terrible, this is a terrible thing. We're I honestly believe that there's nothing. I don't think anything as bad as this has ever appeared on television in the history of television. Um, uh, I, I know it's taking place in real life too, but there's nobody there. It's just this, this would be better off. They should just black it out. Just don't show it. Like nobody, they're, like they're showing all the games so that people aren't, don't lose out by not being at the matches. Nobody loses out by not seeing this. Nobody loses anything at all by not watching Bournemouth Leicester. In fact, 
everybody, your life is much, much better if you don't watch this match. Um, there's half an hour to go. I this this could uh, this could go out, and then people will be saying, "Well, look, you the last half hour demonstrated you know the folly of what you said." But I'll take my chances on that. Um, uh, I don't think it's going to happen, and um, it's really it's a extraordinarily extraordinarily bad bad thing. The only the best thing that happened today from the point of view of the Premier League was was Villa beating Palace, which at least gives. The relegation, uh, the relegation battle, some sense, some semblance of of competitiveness going into the like final final two weeks of the season. But uh, no, I don't think um, I don't think it was a feast, except maybe for uh, Jose Mourinho, Paddy. Is, is that your is that your seamless segue, Dion? I'm just, I'm just uh, throwing uh, it over to you. I'm just picking <laughs> it up. Just before we go there, because I can't. Nas, the worst game of football you've ever witnessed. No, no, no. The worst thing. The worst thing ever to appear in television. Not the worst game of football. Like, it's clearly the worst (laughs) game of football. But it's the worst thing ever to appear on television. Like, you know, those those two-hour kind of mass services they used to put on television. Songs of praise is better than this. Like, anything is, like, this is the worst thing that's ever appeared on television. Not football. Anything. <laughs> I mean, that clarification. Donald's going ahead. I mean, I've just. Got, I mean, I completely agree with so much of what Dion said. But I've got three words for you, Mrs. Brown's boys. No, <laughs> no. Fair enough. No, this is worse. Ask, this is worse. No, this is worse because it's 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 so pointless. Like it's so like Mrs. Brown boys. It can at least point to its uh, massive popularity. As you know, both the best and worst thing about it that it's, uh, but at least it has that. Nobody, this is this is a, this is just a terrible. It's just a nothingness. It's just it's just it's just it's like when you know when those those things when you kind of realize like the enormity of space and infinity and uh, you know just the bleak. You know sometimes it can be wonderful, but sometimes just the bleakness of that. This is what I feel like. Looking at that, looking at this, it's like everything is is just life is so bleak. Life is it's terrible. Like it's a terrible <laughs> like thing. And this is just all it's doing is reminding me of of the bleakness of of existence, which is you know Mrs. Brown boys does, but in a different way, but in a light, <laughs> but in a light hearted way. Uh, yeah. Okay. So um, I. Bournemouth and Leicester, um, existential crisis for Dion. I suppose that's something in itself. You know, that's significant in and of itself. Um, okay, we'll leave that behind, and we'll. I can't remember the Jose's segue. It was really good, but anyway, we'll go on to Jose Mourinho now. Uh, so look at Jose. Today was today was a big banana skin for Spurs, but um, Jose has come through as he always does. This is a bad. Bad news for for Tottenham that they beat Arsenal tonight um, because it just allows Jose Mourinho to uh, to kind of keep going to get a bit you know to uh, he's won the North London Derby and he can point to this now and 
and I think, and you know, Roz might talk about this in a bit, but you know, this was this was this was a pattern at Manchester United as well, where uh, things went on longer than they probably should have because of Mourinho's ability to get results in certain matches, which kind of sustained him whilst it never being part of a kind of greater pattern. And I think it's uh, it's it's bad news. Like, and you know, the the he went into this game like this weekend did seem like it was uh significant and he went into this game saying all the things that we when we talked about him last week after the Bournemouth match you know talking about how long did it take Jurgen Klopp uh to 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 build a champ you know a premier league winning side uh all that stuff about giving you know we we need time you know i need i need time managers need time when the evidence of Mourinho in recent years is that when he's given given time, things get more toxic, more poisonous, um, and 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 more dismal for for a club. Even if there are little, you know, brief like little high points. I I thought afterwards, uh, afterwards when he was talking and he was saying that this is kind of where Spurs were in the Champions League final last season. Uh, and I heard, you know, afterwards Mourinho's interview, and he was talking about how uh, Liverpool and Chelsea didn't do them any favors this weekend. And I was thinking about it, going, "What, what, what have Liverpool got to do with anything? What have uh, who are Liverpool playing that Liverpool weren't playing Manchester United? They weren't playing Arsenal. They weren't playing uh, Manchester City. They weren't playing any club at the top. And of course, they were playing Burnley, uh, and they dropped points to Burnley. And Burnley, of course, are." Uh, rivals with Tottenham um, for a Europa League place, and this is where Spurs are now. This is where Mourinho is, you know, kind of trying to have a little joke at Liverpool's expense about not doing him any favors by not dropping points against, uh, uh, by not beating Burnley, and it's, uh, and then, and you know, and when this result happens, it just allows him, it gives him that time which he doesn't. Which isn't going to work out well. There's there's an inevitability about Mourinho now um, that is, it's just it it will unfold in a in a predictable way, and um, it would have been better for Spurs in the long term if they'd lost to Arsenal. Dion Fanning, before I move to Nas on this, you fool, you fool, drama. Drama at Bournemouth. Caster Schmeichel has just kicked the ball up against Indeedy's arse and then knocked <laughs> over Callum Wilson. Again. And they scored again. Or is that the replay? Or that, they scored again. <laughs> Bournemouth. <laughs> Cut the first fifth. <laughs> and a bar, bar is going to uh, bar is going to get involved here. It's fine. It's all going off at Bournemouth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one all and. Uh, Possibly two one. Two one possibly we'll, we'll, yeah. two one. We'll, we'll keep you up, updated on that. Penalty was incredible. Uh, yeah, Casper Schmeichel kicking the ball up against Indeedy's arse from about ten yards, and then Indeedy bringing down. I'm going to say um, I'm, without without reversing my position, I'm going to say that I'm happy for the hungover people now who've got a little <laughs> bit of adrenaline. They have a little bit of adrenaline in their lives now with this. What with these this couple of uh, dramatic twists. <laughs> That uh, you know they're not feeling so bleak about the world, but still, like life is meaningless and existence is bleak. So don't get too don't get too carried away, lads. Um, no, from an Arsenal point of view, 
we, we, we will keep an eye on everything at Bournemouth. But from an Arsenal point of view, um, today was, was, it was, I was speaking of bleakness, it was really bleak because even Jose, who was incredibly chipper in his post-match interview, you, I, you can watch Jose now with so much of all or nothing as a kind of, as a, as a lens where you're thinking his, his happiness is because he knows there's an important chapter in all or nothing now where Spurs beat Arsenal and the music is upbeat and everything is good. But he kind of rubbed it in a little bit where he says, first of all, points out that Arsenal had 48 hours, eight hours more rest than us. So it was hard. And even in the last minutes of the game after 2-1, zero problems, everything under control. We are so happy. Um, Again, Arsenal looked terrible and it's not looking at all good for Mikel Arteta or any Arsenal fans. Um, no, and, and and in fairness to in fairness to Mourinho, like he's not wrong, is he? Like 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 the, like the Arsenal did have did have longer. You could you could see before before Spurs scored, um, they were looking really tired, and uh, and yeah, it's it's in in terms of in terms of both Arsenal and Spurs, like none of it's really a surprise. Like like Arsenal Arsenal did an Arsenal play quite well, but then lost. And Mourinho did a Mourinho in, in like Dion says, just doing enough to get by. Um, it's um, I mean, it's in terms of Arsenal, like it's a funny one because like usually like you like your immediate response is oh same old same old Arsenal sort of like the same the same circle of uh, excitement and then disappointment and and then sort of like uh, unfulfilled hope. But but I do think in general it's a it's a positive sort of thing. I, I think this is a blip definitely. But I, I can see reasons to be um, hopeful. I mean, I'm just distracted by it. It, it doesn't look like it's two one to Bournemouth, doesn't now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So Yonko's been sent off. So oh, fucking hell! It's all <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is going on, Dion? What have you done? Well, you're, you're welcome. That's all I can say, you're welcome. Can I? Can I? Can I just? Can I just say when when um when it was all happening live, and then when when you said Paddy, it was a because I'm I'm not on TV. When you said it was a goal, and then Dion said and another, it sounded like Partridge when like somebody had hit the ball back into the net. <laughs> and and also, this is definitive proof that uh that Mrs Brown's boys is indeed the worst thing ever on TV. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. That's, yeah. But um. But yeah, we're, going we're back. Not, to... We're not changing the top of the show. <laughs> well, no. We're definitely not, you misery guts. It serves yeah. you right. You, 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 you were down on that game. You misery, yeah, you, you misery guts. Like, yeah, no, no. You're you, talking to my grandmother. <laughs> you were totally down on this game, even though it was sort of like only halfway through. Marine Spurs have won a game, and you're just, you're just, uh, you're just talking them down. Yeah, I was down on this game. You know, about five minutes into it. You are. You are. What what, what was not? it that you what, what what was it that you put in the WhatsApp group? You actually you actually said something like five minutes in. You put Christ, I can't watch this match. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, like like going back to going back to Arsenal. Like in in a funny way, Arsenal at the moment remind me a little bit of United. Um I think it was around about two thousand and Two, I think, or two thousand and one or two thousand and two. It was, it was kind of the era where we had uh, Barthez in there, we had uh, Laurent Blanc, and the defense. It was just after, um, if you remember, do you remember when uh, Yapstam brought out his book and then uh, Fergie got rid of him straight away at the beginning of the season. So uh, the defense was like a hodgepodge of, uh, of like Phil Neville, Sylvestre, uh, Blanc, um, Wes Brown. John O'Shea a little bit, and 
and all the the team wasn't actually playing that bad, and 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 the defense was actually pretty organized considering. But but there just happened to be loads of individual errors, like like at the beginning of the season, and then sort of around about Christmas time, um, it was just a really weird run of being mostly solid at the back and and as a team, but then somebody would fuck up, and quite often that was Laurent Blanc or or, or Barthez. And uh, and it kind of feels like that with Arsenal in that they you can see what's happening you can see that that the team has got a structure, it's got a a style of playing, but then but then you have a stupid mistake it's either David Luiz or or um, Mustafi so, so so it just feels as if it, there's, there's these lots of lots of little sort of errors of judgment and that suggests to me that that uh, Arteta does know what he's doing. But it's it's more a case of like he's having to deal with these, or or he's having to include these players that he doesn't really uh, trust or or believe in. But he's just kind of making do for now. So I I think Arteta's doing the right thing. I think I think there is a plan. I think he's a good manager. But um, unfortunately for the time being, um, it's going to be a little bit. You, you're going to have certain growing pains just because you've got like jokers in in, in the defense. Well, yeah, I think that's. Fair enough, I, but I, I, the the test is what he can do to change that because that stat after the game today that Arsenal since Arteta took over they've dropped fifteen points from winning positions. Uh, yeah, um, like that. Now that that quite po- that quite possibly confirms what you're saying that the players aren't there, that they're and that there there is a game plan and there is a structure and that they can start and they can create you know, opportunities and do the things that Arteta wants them to do, but they can't sustain it. Um, and better players would allow them to do that. So there is there is some sense with Arsenal uh, that um, things might improve, but equally, because it's Arsenal, uh, everyone just thinks, oh, they just Arsenal this again. Um, and a bit like Leicester the other day, night like they when, and pro- probably then that that would be that's the difference between United then uh, in two thousand two where they were still Alex Ferguson's Manchester United and won the league in two thousand and three and even even if that was a kind of uh, a league they kind of stumbled into um, and then had a sort of you know as Chelsea rose it, it was a kind of a re- rebuilding period but. It's it's tougher for Arsenal because they're not Manchester United, they're Arsenal, uh, and results like this, even if they're happening in different ways, have been happening for a long time with them. Is there something going on here though as well? Just because it's such a an unreal season, end to a season. It's July, the season has been played out. Like these guys are like finely tuned athletes. Like their body clocks are telling them that they should be you know, as the cliche goes, lying on a beach somewhere right now. And there is definitely that sense of a lot of teams that are not really at it and it's hard to get them at it. And I just wonder if, like, players at Arsenal, definitely Everton as well, we get to them in a moment, and probably Spurs too, who are, that's 8th, ninth, and 11th, three big clubs that should be going for Europa League. Do they really want to be coming back in, it could be mid-August or it could be the end of August, sorry, it'll be early September, to play preliminary rounds or the first round of the Europa League. I just well, don't see what the incentive there for the well, players I, is. The only thing I'd say about that is it, it, Arsenal's fine-tuning would seem to be very well-tuned to Arsenal 
because they're doing in July what they would do in November or March or, or April as well. So it's it hasn't really it hasn't really knocked them into some other uh, um, frequency. Um, but I don't know about that. I I think yeah I think it, it feels it feels a bit more point pointless because of of uh, of being behind closed doors and these games you know having not an awful lot going on going for them but they would be pretty pointless anyway like we just wouldn't be seeing every game you might be watching games on on match of the day you might be doing whatever but you wouldn't be uh focusing as much on every game as we're doing now in this you know condensed uh run-in but um if this was the 35th game of the season in late april beginning of may uh there will be plenty of teams who will be kind of wishing they were done with it by now. Perhaps that's compounded because they're they've had to come back and finish it off. But uh, um, I think it's I, I'm not I'm not I'm not so sure it's that different. Well, one man not pulling his punches, regardless of where it is in the season or where the team is in the table, is Everton captain Seamus Coleman, who spoke to Sky immediately after their three nil hammering to Wolves today. Seamus, what did you make of that Everton performance? Shocking. Really, really bad. Um, no no hiding places. You know, they're better all over the pitch and, you know, we need to ask some serious questions of ourselves and, you know, we can all we can all play bad, we can all misplace passes, we can all misplace crosses, but when the attitude's not there, when the desire's not there and we went there today and we got beat by the better team and need to have a good hard look at ourselves and maybe we're not where we think we are. You know, we're 12th in the table for a reason and as individuals in the dressing room, as a club, we need to we need to be expecting better and, you know, lads really need to dig in, myself included, get our head down or that won't be good enough for this manager and uh, it's most certainly not good enough for this football club and um, the way I've been brought up through this football club and, you know, it's not been good enough. Dion, he has a point, Seamus Coleman, because Everton were atrocious today. Everton were atrocious, um, and um, it seems like the right thing. Uh, people like it when uh, a player comes out and and tells it like it is. But I think. Uh, Honestly, I wonder if there's not a sort of performative element to this, an element with Seamus Coleman of uh, letting everybody... I think you're probably better off... um, I think you're probably better off saying nothing sometimes. Uh, I think you're just better off saying nothing and turning things around uh, on the field because I think there, there is... Uh, I I I think sometimes like I remember Coleman when 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 Martin O'Neill was manager of Ireland, uh, Coleman would say very similar things. And Carlo Ancelotti clearly isn't Martin O'Neill in the last days of the Ireland job when things were sour and uh, there was plenty of stories about how fed up so many players were and uh, how miserable they all were and uh, tired of. Uh, various aspects of the Martin O'Neill Roy Keane management routine. Um, 
and uh, in uh, October 2018, um, Coleman said, "You know, we are all we are all behind the manager." This is about Ireland. I see. It, I said it here at club level. Level sometimes players get away with murder. It always seems to be put on the manager. That's something that really bugs me at club level. I do think we were going through a transition period. We were playing from the anyway. That's to what Ireland back in 2018. Now. Uh, he may again. Coleman may have a point. He may be right about that. Um, that it's it always comes down to the manager, and uh, um, you know, he, again, he it, it seems to be his philosophy because he's saying the sim- similar thing again today. Because when he said that in twenty eighteen about Ireland, he was referencing what he'd said at club at club level. We've hit, and then you know, he's he's saying we've hit behind managers for long enough. Um, uh, and I think, again, since Roy Keane came along, this stuff is always kind of lapped up as a sign of somebody who's not afraid to just go out and tell you what it, like how it is and what's happening. And uh, um, I think uh, Everton have had bad managers. I mean, they've got bad players too, but they've had managers who probably... Uh, players weren't hiding behind as much as they were dealing with bad managers. Um, it doesn't mean the players shouldn't have to take responsibility. But I think in this instance, you might be just better off saying, right, we're going to take responsibility. This is one of uh, the worst, you know, this is, a, this is a dismal performance for Everton. And and leave it at that rather than saying, uh, you know, we with the players, you know, all all of us have now got to, I, I don't know. I feel it's it's one of those situations where I think uh, he's not going to put up if, uh, he's, the manager isn't going to put up perform, performances like this. As a team, we need to be better. We need to go home and look ourselves in the mirror and ask, are we good enough to play for this football club? I'm sure he's got his own thoughts about things and his own ideas in place. Uh, now, you know, we've seen this. We, we saw this at Everton last against Spurs as well, like a, a pretty limp performance. Bournemouth have scored again. <laughs> it's one of the best 30 minutes of football I've watched. This Mute. Is the most exciting <laughs> half hours of football I think I've ever seen. This is... Remember, I said this is one of the worst things on television. I didn't say it was one of the worst. I actually clearly didn't say said did. it was one of the worst football matches. I made a Distinction there, which is unfortunate now because Bournemouth lead 3 1, and it looks like the great escape is on. <laughs> um, Johnny Evans, uh, Johnny Evans, yeah. Um, anyway. it's good news, it's good news, Ian. good news for the, the relegation battle, which yeah. will rumble on. Back to Seamus Coleman and Everton. Um, no, I, I understand what you're saying about Coleman and uh, the, the, that sort of point of view that even what he said there, and we heard the clip. Just it, it it like well you may agree with what he has to say it it it's the words could possibly ring a little bit hollow and uh, I understand where you're coming from but to put it to you Dion right October two thousand and eighteen when Seamus Coleman made that comment at Ireland camp which was essentially about the Everton camp and the fact that players can't hide hide behind the manager who was the goalkeeper for Everton FC that day 
in October 2018. I'll tell you what, you know who it is. Yeah, yeah, we Same it. goalkeeper that's in, in the nets today. And mm. if Coleman's frustrated, <laughs> I understand, and I'm sure lots of others do, why he is frustrated. Because he's the captain of the club, he's only one player, and the managers have been poor, but now they've got Carlo Ancelotti. Like, there is no excuses left. Like, Marco Silva might have been somebody to hide behind. Uh, definitely Big Sam was. And so, the f- the frustration for Coleman is that he has to play in front of England's number one. See, I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it, I, I accept that and that's fine. I think probably uh, when, when you hear that, having heard him say that about Martin O'Neill shortly before Martin O'Neill left the Ireland job, you'd think... Uh, it 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 seems like uh, it seems in a strange way like a platitude. You know, it's actually not addressing the real issue. Um, even though in this instance he may actually be addressing the real issue, but because it's so similar to what he said uh, at that stage with Ireland and Martin O'Neill, um, when it was like, "Oh, come on! Like this is not the case. Uh, this is clearly not the case that everybody is." delighted with you know with with the management of Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane um and uh it seemed like it was uh, a player being loyal in a way by being expressing himself quite forcefully but by actually being loyal so in a way you'd almost be better off just dealing with the just dealing in platitudes at that stage now maybe the circumstances right now, I accept that, whatever with Jordan Pickford, all that is very different. But it, it probably it 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 when you've done that before, it's like, okay, um maybe try and maybe say something different or say nothing. Um and I think Carlo Ancelotti also knows uh he knows what, what he he doesn't need anyone telling him uh that Jordan Pickford isn't up to it. <laughs> well, he got a good, he got a real good example of it today. Ancelotti after the game said as well, the attitude that he wasn't good. It's good to hear the captain taking responsibility, which I thought was an, an interesting kind of, uh, an interesting view. Like Dion, when there's layers there, you talked about Coleman's kind of like his kind of subtext there, but that's interesting kind of way to interpret what Coleman's saying there is that oh yeah well this is on you and now you're taking responsibility so I wonder if Seamus Coleman by talking a lot like that is actually putting more pressure on himself um in by saying these kind of things um because essentially it puts the focus back on his own performance um now what's your take on players pros coming out and lashing their teammates I mean he it's a hard one because because I suppose you've got to ask the question who he, who is he really talking to? Is he talking to is he talking to his teammates? Is he talking to the manager? Or is he talking to the fans? Because because each of those things mean very different things. Because um, and again, it come. It, it, I think on one level, it could just be uh, a player who's gutted, who demands more, who knows the manager demands more, and it's just all genuine. Um, I don't know if. I don't. I don't know if if Dion is perhaps saying more than that, and it's it's almost a level of like, is it performative? Is it is it almost um, not fake? But is it? But but but, but do, essentially, does he know what he's doing, and is it a little bit cynical? Because like there, there was there was a there was a time when Manchester United fans were getting very annoyed 
with the players because this there tended to be a pattern where the likes of Chris Smalling, uh, Phil Jones, um, um, Juan Mata quite a lot, um, after a defeat, they'd, they'd, they'd put up a, I don't know, a a club-sanctioned photo of themselves during the game, usually looking disappointed, um, and and uh, tweet something like, uh, or put on Instagram something along the lines of, uh, oh, we need to fight harder, this is Manchester United, like, next game uh, can't come soon enough, blah, blah, blah. All these things that you expect them to say, but, like, um, because it was a pattern, it started to feel hollow. And and, and, and especially, like, Juan Mata, who's, who's, like, the, who's, like, widely accepted as one of the nicest people in the game, uh, he obviously was doing his uh, blogs, which would famously end with hugs, kiss, um, and he 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 started to speak about it and and say the same kind of thing in in the blogs about how we need to work harder, how this isn't Manchester United, how 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 we how the fans deserve more. And first few times fine, like then, um, like the fans started to get on his back as well because it felt it felt hollow, and it, and and like Dion said, like sometimes it's better just to shut the fuck up and, and do it rather than talking about it. And then it even got to a point where Juan, where Juan Mata um, kind of said, oh, it's not the time for blogs anymore. So, so he stopped doing them probably because like he was getting grief off, off the internet. But like, like I suppose that's my question to Dion. Like, do, do, do you think it's a little bit performative? Do you think he's been a bit cute? I don't know. Like, you know, you have to take him on uh, face value and think this is what he, and, and again, this is what he feels and because he's said it before it, it it clearly is something he believes about football and how footballers can hide behind managers um so i can't i don't think i i but i accept i also do think that there is that i, I think there's a difference between performative and cynical i think you can believe it uh but it also might be something that is um you you want to say because you want to get that message out and is that performative or not uh i'm not sure but again it may be that it's just well if you don't say anything um in a way if you don't say anything you're kind of more it's more that you're all in it together then if you say nothing it's like well uh these players are all um performing badly together whereas when you come out and say something it's like, well, Seamus Coleman has spoken out about this and has condemned this too. He is also uh, condemning, or he is also angry about the performance of the Everton players. Um, and it sort of, it, it changes that dynamic. It makes it seem like, well, at least he's, at least he gets it. Um, whereas in a way you take it, you, you take it together and you say, right, we're, 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 we're all going to, we're all going to be, uh, kicked around for this and I do feel as well just because of that because he again this may be what he believes and he may believe correct you know this may be and people do have this belief even with managers like Martin O'Neill at Ireland that you know the players get away with it and Martin O'Neill would have been one of many Ireland managers that you know people are deluded about what they expect from the Ireland team uh, and they just hammer the manager so maybe old Coleman believes a version of that that uh that it's it's easy to knock the manager, and it is easy to knock the manager sometimes. But I think in these situations, um, and because it's happening, what's happening at Everton is kind of going on, and uh, it needs to be addressed in a more fundamental way. And it doesn't really, 
need Coleman pointing this out. As you say, like, who is he talking to? Um, Carlo Ancelotti doesn't need to know any of this stuff. Um, but he's glad he's taking responsibility. Yeah, but he, uh, yeah. He kind of <laughs> yeah, has yeah. to say that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, like, I don't think anything that, uh, like, I don't think you can, I don't think you can really tell most of the time what anybody thinks about anything from what they say <clears> in, the, in a post-match interview. But, um, well, it is definitely for, I do agree it's for, there is, there's, the fans are in mind because previous to Coleman, captain of Everton was Phil Jagielka, a very solid professional footballer who was the most boring interviewer, viewee possible and frustrated the hell out of Everton fans because he never said anything at all. He never seemed to say, he never seemed to feel anything about the games. And I think Coleman has probably taken that into it. So he feels he needs to say something. Look, we'll leave that aside because I want to get back to Bournemouth Leicester. Dion, 4-1 to Bournemouth. <laughs> since we started this show, it was 1-0 to Leicester. And since then, we've had four goals for Bournemouth and a sending off. Dominic Solanke has scored twice as many goals since this podcast has started than he has in the last two years. Yeah, I can't say it. Like, I'm, you're, you're welcome. I've... I've, I've... <laughs> I saved I saved Sunday night for so many people. It's a shame that they didn't get to hear it. By the time this goes out, it'll just be me looking like a fool. Uh, I want to be that. I want to be that person listening to this show tomorrow morning as as Dion opens up the show with this. It's one nil. I'm 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 happy. This isn't going to go anywhere else. Um, can I can can I just ask Dion? This this might be a sort of odd question, but can you? Can you say the name of the Everton player we were just talking about? Seamus Coleman. See, that's how I say it. But Paddy says it like he's a superhero that sort of uh, has Cole coming out of his out of his wrists or something. Coleman. Is, 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 is that just is that, is that just a local affectation? Or is that just love? <laughs> yeah. No, no. You know. Um... <laughs> well, well, you're talking about superheroes. Didn't didn't you yes. didn't you commission a flag that went abroad into yes. a major tournament? <laughs> Nas, Nas, Nas. <laughs> like I knew that's where this was going. I knew this was where you were. What you were just picking away at there. Uh, yes, we did. We did. Uh, we did. Joe did in 2016 going to the Euros. We we asked the brilliant uh, illustrator and fanatical Everton fan Will Steiny, who's he's a Marvel illustrator. He draws Superman or Spider Man, I should say. Uh, most of the time, but he drew the amazing Cole Man, Cole <laughs> Dash Man, like Spider Dash Man, um, with wings and hero in a heroic um, superhero stance. It's actually amazing. I'll tweet it out uh, later yes. on so that you can see it. Um, I'm we brought that giant flag to the Euros. It, it, I don't think it ever made it back from the Euros. Um, Okay, uh, I think Bournemouth Leicester is over and maybe it's our podcast is over as well. So, chaps, look, thank you very much for this evening. Um, we shall say, yeah, 4-1 to Bournemouth. We'll say goodnight on that. We will be back again tomorrow night um, after the Man United-Southampton game. If you haven't already done so, click subscribe to get new shows into your feed on whatever platform you're listening to. Talk soon. Good luck. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation tomorrow, bro. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics 
coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave.